everyone, and welcome to a Time Shifters podcast, Time Hop Edition. This is Christopher. Tom, how are you tonight? I am well, sir. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Happy to get another Time Hop in. These are always a lot of fun. They are. Today, we are talking about 2022's Fall of Usher. This was written and directed by Brian Cunningham, and it is based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. Let me call myself for the moment. William. I'm a storyteller by nature and a liar in my freer times. No part of what I convey is true, but every part is truthful. You will come to despise me. Revulsion will be rightly warranted, I swear it. Now, however, by way of staying execution and mitigating these accusations against me, I offer this sad history. William is caring for his terminally ill father and falls in love with the home visit nurse Anna. When Anna mysteriously stops coming and sends a different nurse in her place, William plunges into a deep depression and murders his ailing father. Reuniting with Anna doesn't help his depression, nor does his controlling brother Wilson, who has his own eyes set on Anna. William spirals into madness, leading to darkness and despair and more murder. Or does it? Now, this is an independent film. Uh, Brian Cunningham is actually someone that that I... I know I've met several times. I've interviewed him uh, and talked to him about a couple of his films. Uh, he did a documentary called Monsters Wanted, which was all about a uh, scream park down in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, cool. And it was a fantastic documentary. Really enjoyed that. Uh, he's done several other films since then. You know, um, I've liked some more than others. One that I really enjoyed called uh, Loss Prevention, which was sort of an action comedy. I got a big kick out of that one. Wretch was interesting, but not for everyone kind of thing. And I'm trying to remember if I ever got around to seeing Overtime. I don't think I did. It's one I've been meaning to catch, and I have not. So anyway, The Fall of Usher. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There are a lot of things I liked about this film. Should we start with maybe some of the things I or we liked? Sure, yeah. All right. Um, things that I liked. The fact that it was set in the present day. Yeah. Uh, being a film that, 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 that boasts that it's being based on the works of Poe, mm-hmm. I was expecting something in a kind of Victorian Gothic setting. And I was worried how well they would be able to pull that off in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> so I was really happy to see that Cunningham didn't even try. Uh, I actually thought these sort of flowery Victorian-style monologues by William, I didn't like those at first. But in the end, I kind of thought they worked really well in the context and the theme of the film. Okay. Break in with any comments on any of this No, stuff. no, no. I know. I'm, not, I, I, I'm letting you get through your thoughts because... Uh... I'm torn on this one. Okay, well, I'll finish the things I liked here then. Maybe and yeah. you can jump in and you can comment on anything I've said. Um, I enjoyed the nods to Poe's work. Uh, yes. I'm not a 
Edgar Allan Poe expert, but obvious elements of Telltale Heart and Cask of Amontillado and Eleonora were worked in. Yeah. And there may be others as well that I'm, I'm just not as familiar with the works. But those are definitely the, some of the more well-known ones and made real obvious. And uh, some of the cast. I thought Savannah Schaefer is Anna and Spencer, uh, Spencer Quirks as the brother Wilson, I thought were fine. And that actually leads me into like some of the stuff I didn't care about. So I'm curious if you have any comments on anything I said and if, you, if there was anything that you liked that you wanted to bring up. If I look at it as a whole, it is a very interesting walk through one man's psyche. And if you really look hard at it, it is really a story of love and loss. And I don't want to give anything away because you have to watch it to the end to justify everything you saw before. Yes. Um, but this is when we can get into the other stuff. Like like you mentioned, it's made in Louisville, Kentucky um, as our... Our leading man spoke heavily with an English accent. Um, and when he'd sit and do his own little soliloquies, um, it wasn't till the end that I appreciated them. My march through it, they just came off as boring and pretentious. And, and a lot of it would just drag. There was a, a I, I get that they were building towards something. But it could have upped the tempo just a tad as you go through. But it's this is where I sit weird with this. You have to make it all the way through all of the painstaking, grueling stuff to get to the reveal at the end that justifies everything you were just put through. Absolutely. And I, I think where I went with the, the flowery talk... Mm -hmm. It, it re, it, his monologues are very much you feel like they were ripped right out of an Edgar Allan Poe yes. poem or story and yeah I think in the beginning I could see someone turning this on listening for five minutes and going nope and turning it off uh, but yes after you get through it by the time you get to the end it all sort of makes sense it does because and, and I don't have I, this isn't really giving anything away those soliloquies of his are essentially him working through his trauma out loud in his own brain. So when we break into those where he, it seems like he's trying to narrate what's happening and he's actually working through his psychological trauma. But until you find out that that's ultimately what he's doing, it does come off as a little... It's just dull. You're like you're like what? You're like okay. I get that you're trying to incorporate Edgar Allan Poe, but you're like literally hitting me with the book to do it, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm feeling every slap as you do. It. <laughs> yes, he definitely comes across as if you had met this person at a party or something, yeah. you'd be looking for absolutely anybody else to go talk to. Well, the. This is the guy that you see in the coffee shop writing his screenplay for the hundredth time. Uh, who you know, if I sit down and talk to this guy, I'm going to want to either beat him with his own laptop or just get up and run. <laughs> right. 
like I was saying, this does lead me to some of the things that I didn't care for the film. And the one of the things right off the bat was the lead. Uh, Riker Hill, I'm not entirely sure if I can put a finger on why, but a lot of it had to do with just his, whether he just didn't have the right appearance for me. He always looks as though he's depressed and mad. Uh, so just having a few hairs out of place later in the film really isn't enough to like convey his descent <laughs> that we're supposed to believe he's he's happening to. I mean, he could talk the talk when it came to those soliloquies, when he came to the monologues. He sounded great. Right. If I wanted like a, a Edgar Allan Poe book on tape, I want this guy to read yeah, it. Yeah, no, that that would work. I just uh, I don't think he looked the part. And I'm not sure how much of that is really on him versus uh, the director. Sure. Whether he could have like, hey, could you do this? Could you wear your hair differently? Or obviously it's an independent film. You don't have a huge pool of potential actors. So the casting pool may be small. And this guy obviously could read the works and sounded great. Just, yeah, I think they could have made a little bit more effort. And at least in the beginning, making him look like he's not entirely lost i i think it's because they were going with a look or an aesthetic i i don't want to put too much on the actor in in this particular case actually and this is where i'm just gonna jump in for a minute there i had a hard time distinguishing between him and his brother like they were very close in their overall look so when you get that fleeting glimpse uh, uh, of you you think you're looking at the brother or him i'm like I'm not sure who I'm looking at at the moment. <laughs> yeah, oh, like out on the sidewalk? Yeah, like out on the sidewalk. I'm like, is he picturing himself out there? Or Yeah, is- you know what? I had that same that same thought. Yeah, I really think that they, you know, these two guys came to read, and there was probably like, oh, do we need to flip a coin to figure out who's going to be who? To which I will credit casting immensely for the pairing of these particular too, because when the story ultimately goes where it goes, it plays off of it even more that they would look so much alike. That, I actually almost felt like there was a little bonus in there, but I think some of what the vibe you're getting off of Riker Hill, whether that be him himself, or bad casting, or bad directing, or at least just misdirected, is... There is nothing likable about this character. <laughs> oh, Wilson? Yeah. No, Wilson is an ass. And th- and this guy, this actor... Uh, you like mean Will Young? No, I was talking about his brother, Oh, Wilson. Will, Will, Wilson is not likable, but neither is William. Oh, right. There is nothing sympathetic about William. I mean, yes, we, we learn and we watch that it's a man in pain sorting out his pain. Mm-hmm. However... It's hard picturing him being pleasant enough to to have had the better parts of life to get to the part where he hurts. Would have been nice. We spend so much time seeing him dealing with the, the trauma and the pain that he's suffering. You don't get to see him enough being... Um, you, you see him in like montages, but they're like almost silent montages with him and Anna where he looks like he's enjoying himself and he's happy and... Mm-hmm. It would have been nice to actually spend some time with him they in that put, space. Yeah, they needed to put a little meat on that bone so that I could be more sympathetic toward the character. You know, you're talking about how that ends. Right from the very beginning, mm-hmm. we were told through William's uh, speech 
that what we're seeing may or may not be entirely true. Right. I think he has the line that um, that while it not may not be the truth, it is at least truthful. Mm-hmm. And so we're following a potentially unreliable narrator. Right. But at the end of the film, I'm not even sure we were given enough to ascertain if any of it was true. Was it embellish- embellishments on true events or was it all fabrication? It really kind of baffled me. While I, I'm trying to be more forgiving because the reveal at the end does lend credence to what it just put you through, like I said, but I, it, hear my words in how I'm saying put you through. Um, because this is deeply depressing. It, it's supposed to sit, sit like a horror film, but even the parts that are to scare, it's not so much... It, it's scary from the perspective of if this is what this guy is thinking alone, uh, everything about his life is terrible. Um, so... But even when we get to that payoff, yes, that notion that... Um, we don't even know if the reveal at the end is the truth at this stage. Right. You kind of feel like your time was wasted. <laughs> A little bit. Well, you just don't, you don't know. It's like, so is it really he's sad about this person or is he just projecting that on this person because he's sad about this other person or is it the other way around? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and ultimately we don't know if we actually got a story. <laughs> we 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 could have just gotten the rantings of a lunatic. Yeah. But because we don't even get to be revealed that he might be a lunatic, we don't get that satisfaction either. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, in a way I kind of in a way I kind of like it, but yes, I do understand your point too is that it it does give you the feeling like like, well, what I sit through for <laughs> It's like one hand of like, oh, okay, he might be insane, but he might not. And the rest of this is kind of interesting. And, well, that kind of means that that doesn't really make, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's that. And as much as I love a good uh, story from Edgar Allan Poe, that man was depressing, too. So oh, so this fit. <laughs> oh, no, exactly. This is probably one of the better homages to Poe's work, just because it really fit the themes to a lot of his poems and stories. Yes, and did so apparently effectively in the suburb of, of Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where they where they fit. I'll take your word for it. I mean, that, to which effective use of your spaces, you could have convinced me that was almost anywhere in the world. Oh, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, the majority of the film takes place in a single house. Right, yeah. Uh, any sort of outside thing, there's no sense of where you are, what time period specifically. I mean, you know your at least you're in the 20th or 21st century yeah you're yeah, yeah you're in the past, past 30 40 years but i mean you don't get a lot of sense otherwise oh yeah especially i mean did anyone actually ever pick up like a smartphone because even william's phone in the house is a freaking dial yeah no he was dialing with rotary <laughs> yeah so that's why i'm saying there's no sense of time in there i mean yes you could still technically use a rotary phone today um but it's not likely to run into it, but I didn't see anyone with any other device that I can think of. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, now that I mention it, I can't think of uh, like Anna pulling out a smartphone or anything in the uh, coffee house. We didn't or... spend any meaningful, if any, time in a vehicle or around vehicles. Um, right. You never saw a computer sitting around. No. That I could recall. No. Uh, and, and honestly, with with the way he was doing the accent and all that, I, you could have told me this was in England. Especially with the house with funky crawl spaces and such, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the uh, the spa- the bedroom that's obviously been added on. It was you know might have been a garage or something at some point. Yeah, so I mean the layout of the house didn't necessarily sit you in a specific area either. It could have been in a couple of different spots. I mean, kudos to that too. I mean, uh, th- the idea is the story is the story, but mm-hmm. but yes, <laughs> when you get your way through the story and you find out uh, maybe everything we just watched didn't actually happen, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> you start going, well, that's an hour and a half I can't have back. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's that bad, but. No, not quite that bad, but... You don't know if it happened, or you definitely feel like, well, it happened, but did it happen to this person or that person? Right, yeah. You just, you you are left not truly knowing. Yeah, no, I'm wanting for a bit more, and I'm wanting to connect to the characters more, and that's that's the hardest part in this. Even if we went through all that, like... There was nothing about our main, our our hero, um, our and our protagonist that I cared what happened to him. Yeah, like I said, it would have been nice to spend them spend a little bit more time with him in the happier moments sure. that the film says was happening. There must be a reason why Anna was attracted to him. You know, it, it couldn't have been just she's into depressed people. You know, I don't think so. Anna definitely didn't seem the type. No. So, yeah, it was a fun watch, though. I enjoyed yes. watching it. Um, Brian Cunningham always, he wrote and directed this. And, you know, he always brings us something interesting to the screen. Like I said, sometimes it's hits, sometimes it's misses with me. Uh, this one kind of sits on the fence for me. I definitely didn't hate it, but it's definitely not one that I would, uh, you know, scream from the mountaintop that everyone should go and see. Depending on how high of on a mountain this podcast is, <laughs> I'd still say, you know, give it a shot. See what you think. Uh, you'll know pretty quickly whether or not this is something you want to stick yourself, you know, stick through. I'd put it out there like this. If you're a Poe fan, it, yeah. if you like... Darker content, more broody content, psychological content. Um, this might be for you. If you're looking for, um, if you're looking for a horror with scares, this is not it. Oh, there was at least one good jump scare in it for me, though. But there, only one. They did some effective stuff <laughs> with the the dad that wasn't terrible. Other than that, I mean, this is not this is not a horror horror film. You're not going to be terrified watching this thing. Uh, no, absolutely not. No, so don't go in thinking you're watching that. Um, and and if you're looking for likable characters, this is not that movie either. <laughs> no, well, except for Anna. Anna and, and, was appropriately adorable. She, a- absolutely, uh, Anna was amazing. Uh, I want her in a different movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. Something a little more upbeat, something where we can enjoy some more time on with her. Yes, please. All right. Well, at the time of recording, The Fall of Usher is available on the Freebie 
app, I guess it is. Streaming you know, service. Streaming service. There you go. Uh, so you, you can watch it for free. Uh, you do have to suffer through uh, some ads, but they're not too awful. So give it a shot. I mean, if you if you feel a little brave, give it give it a shot, and uh, you know, come back and let us know what you thought of it. If you get it, if you do watch it, uh, send a po- email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail dot com or follow the link in the show notes to all the social media outlets. Uh, really be interested to seeing what you thought of it. Uh, that's going to do it for this time hop. We'll be back in a week with a full episode, and until then, thank you very much for listening. Bye, everybody. See ya.